Hello, everybody, and welcome to Time and Attention, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better, more intentional human being. I'm the co-host of this show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 90, Understanding Burnout. This is going to be the ultimate test of your ability to focus. You. Why? Who wrote the book on focus. Yeah. There's a kitten in this room. Oh, she's as, as you say that, she's walking out. Yeah, but you have zero ability to focus she with might this cat that. around you. So it's going to yeah. be a, a good example of how well your focus capabilities are honed. That, that's the thing. You know, all, all the productivity <laughs> books in the world won't help you if there's a, a cute kitten nearby. I mean, I don't know. I got a lot done and I worked in the house when she was in the room all week last week. Cuteness. Uh, seeing cuteness in a baby animal actually uh, increases motor skill. I've been uh, doing a bit of research on this this week. So am I a better typist? Yeah. Do I type faster? Yeah, you're probably, your words per minute has probably gone. No, it probably hasn't. Hmm. But if you had to catch something, like play fetch with such a cute little kitten, it might help you. <laughs> Too bad as an economics <laughs> professor. I don't really uh, have to do a lot of catching. Well, what 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 do your classes even involve? <laughs> Yeah, I'm just teaching students how to play catch. Yeah. No, I'm actually not. No, not a lot of uh, balls being tossed in an, a microeconomics lecture. Burnout, though. <laughs> burnout. Have you ever been burnt out? I think there's probably a phase of the PhD. Mm. Um, maybe when we transitioned from classwork to re- like primarily doing research. Yeah. I think I might have been. I mean, in hindsight, I didn't really... We never... This was not a term you had talked about, I guess, before that, at that phase of my life. And so I never really caught on to what was happening, but I definitely felt a little like disengaged and exhausted and maybe even a little bit jaded about the whole idea of a PhD. Because that's a big transition going from classwork where you're getting grades and you have very obvious deliverables and like next steps to research, which is way more unstructured, especially at the beginning where you don't know, like everything is a possibility, but nothing is really... A actual tangible thing that you have to work on. Yeah. So I think there was a little bit of of burnout and when that transition was happening in hindsight, but nothing like no obvious super dominant spells. I know this is something you have a lot more experience though mm. with, and I, I mean, this is actually something you talked about in the book, and I don't want to keep plugging the book, but I really love this book, so I'm going to because I'm your wife and I can. So. In, I know in How to Calm Your Mind, you have a whole chapter on kind of unpacking this idea of burnout yeah. and kind of thinking through what your experiences were here. Um, and I think it's actually one of my favorite chapters of the book. Oh. So, I mean, when maybe for people who haven't read it, because it's not quite out yet, when did you experience burnout? Yeah, pre-orders now open Yay. For, for How to yes, Calm you Your can Mind. Pre-order. I wasn't trying to plug the book, but I just Well, love, we can plug the book. book. It's, it's, so. our, it's our podcast. And your book. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, we're we're up to 10 languages now, which is super cool. We just sold uh, Hebrew rights to How to Calm Your Mind. Woo-hoo. Pretty exciting. But uh, yeah, burnout uh, was something I experienced a, a few years ago. And I honestly wasn't quite sure what it was at the time. I thought, oh, I'm just exhausted. I'm just wiped from all this traveling, all this work that I'm in the middle of. And it is the kind of term that gets kind of thrown around in headlines yeah. unthinkingly or yeah. without a lot of precision. Yeah. And that, that's exactly the thing. And, and noticing just how exhausted I was, I, I took a burnout test. Kind of the, the main burnout test there is the Maslach Burnout Inventory. Uh, created by Christina Maslach uh, and a, a couple of other people. She's kind of the the main 
burnout expert in the world. There's a lot of people who, who write and do research on the topic, but I found through waiting all of the academic literature on burnout that there is really nobody that understands the topic better than her. And sure enough, taking the Maslach burnout inventory as diagnosable as being burnt out. But, but then I kind of started looking at the research on the topic and realized just how misunderstood the subject of burnout is. Uh, people throw it, like you were saying, they throw it around without any real specificity, specificity as <laughs> to what it means. Uh, but there are really three core attributes of burnout, three characteristics of burnout uh, that you need to have in order to be fully burnt out. Hmm. Uh, exhaustion is one. Exhaustion, a lot of people see that as burnout, but it isn't. It's just one third of the burnout equation. We do need to be exhausted. We need to have that situation where we experience a source of stress and our body doesn't mobilize to face that source of stress. It can't muster the uh, usually cortisol spike that it needs. It just kind of, we stay stagnant in response to the stress happening around us. And this leads to the two other uh, characteristics of burnout as well. The second of which is cynicism, this this pervasive negativity uh, through everything it is that we do. Um, you know, this pessimism, this just cynicism uh, with everything that we do that happens regardless of the context. And the third characteristic of burnout co- relates to a lot of what we write about on the podcast or talk about on the podcast, and that's inefficacy. So we feel as though we're not making a difference. So we're, we feel just deeply, deeply, profoundly unproductive. Mm. And there are various levels of burnout. So each of these phenomenon, exhaustion, cynicism, inefficacy, can serve as a stepping stone to a full burnt out phenomenon. Uh, if, if you have a lot of energy and you find that you're still being productive, you're finding meaning in work, but you're exhausted, you're not technically burnt out, but you are stepping in yeah. that direction. So these are all necessary but not sufficient conditions on their own. Yeah, exactly. So it's not a one or none phenomenon. Uh, these are all stepping stones to burnout. And there is one singular cause of burnout as defined by the World Health Organization, burnout is the ultimate manifestation of chronic stress. And so we have a couple of different types of stress in our lives, in our work. Uh, Burnout is seen as a workplace phenomenon. Um, And acute stress is the stress that is once off. We face it occasionally. uh, And there's a cute cat by my leg right now that (laughs) wants to climb up on my lap. I was getting you Uh, so much credit for focusing. No, it's very difficult right now. This is podcasting (laughs) on expert mode (laughs) because cuteness that's involved. Um, But what was I saying? Oh, yeah, chronic stress. Uh, So there's two kinds of stress that we have. Uh, There's acute stress and chronic stress. Uh, Acute stress is the once-off kind of thing that we have to go through. It's kind of a tunnel, you know, where once we make it through the tunnel to the other side, we're in a little bliss land and we don't have to worry about the stress anymore. It's the Thanksgiving meals that we cook for our family. Happy Thanksgiving coming up to all our U.S. listeners. Um, This doesn't drop on Thanksgiving, does it? Thanksgiving is always on a Thursday in the U.S. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, Forgive it, us. We're a Canadian. Yeah. We, we celebrate Thanksgiving on a long weekend. You see, bud? 
Yeah, yeah but yeah, uh, so so <laughs> so acute stress is once off. It's the Thanksgiving meal. It's the stressful situation. It's traveling to the airport and being late. Whereas chronic stress is what causes burnout, and it's the no good, very bad kind of stress. It's the traffic we encounter every day on our way to work. It's the the constant arguments we get into, the the financial worries that we uh, experience each time uh, we get paid even. Uh, So it's the chronic stress that's the problem. And the World Health Organization and Christina Maslach, they inform one another, uh, they define burnout as the ultimate manifestation of chronic stress in a workplace environment. Uh, but luckily, you know, looking at the research, it's possible to zero in even further and discover and dissect and fix in a lot of cases, not in others, uh, where burnout comes from. So, I mean, I kind of want to come back to one thing you said. You said it's a specific to work-related yeah, stress. So, yeah. I mean, this couldn't be related to something you have in your personal life. So it has to be related to, to just work? Definitionally, yes. Uh, but realistically, no. I mean, it's not as if all of our stress just exists at work and we come home and it's this beautiful bliss land. We, we <laughs> still experience the, the, uh, the remnants from that chronic stress when we do come home. And I actually asked Christina about this when we were chatting, or I should say Dr. Maslach. I asked Dr. Maslach this and she fully you know, admitted, and I wouldn't say admitted, but she recognized that stress doesn't just come from work. Historically, burnout uh, was seen in the field of healthcare. It's actually where the, mm. the term burnout came from. And so it started as this workplace phenomenon, but the lines between uh, work and home are getting blurred yeah. as time goes forward. And so it really is this phenomenon that is now crossing over into the different contexts of our life. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Cause I mean, yeah, as you said, I was thinking about this, like the line between work and home is very fluid and very fuzzy. And I think has become increasingly fuzzy, especially if you, if you generally like what you do. I mean, I feel like if you experience burnout, that probably isn't as true as it is for somebody who really loves Mm -hmm. what they do and feel engaged by what they're working on. So I mean, yeah, it, you you might notice there are a lot of overlap between these things at work and home, but I'm curious. That was that was helpful. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know, so you, you kind of hinted at these like burnout areas related to work. And so we, had all, we haven't gone into each of them, but yeah. I'm curious, like, are the burnout sources or like the th- things that cause burnout at work, is that what causes chronic stress? Like, what's the relationship between these kind of like six factors that yeah. cause burnout and and chronic stress? Like how are these all unpacked? Yeah, that's a good question. So the six areas that, um, the six factors that contribute to how burnt out we are at work, they can be seen as areas of our work, factors of our work where chronic stress can incubate. So Mm. they're sort of petri dishes for chronic stress. So there are six of them, as you mentioned, and these are factors that can be either out of whack or in whack and so are (laughs) are aligned and and provide us with actual motivation. Uh, Because another lesson that I I encountered in this research journey was that the opposite of burnout is not just not being burnt out. The opposite of burnout, it's kind of a spectrum. So you need to have all three stepping stones of burnout or, or of exhaustion, cynicism, and being unproductive to make it all the way to the right of this burnout spectrum. But if you move down 
and you, you move past the point of no burnout, you can keep going all the way down uh, to the point of engagement. So engagement is the opposite of all three of these phenomena. Mm-hmm. Instead of being exhausted, exhausted every day, you're fired up. You have a lot of energy. Uh, instead of being cynical, you're optimistic. You uh, feel like there is light in what you do. Uh, and instead of being unproductive and uh, feeling like your work doesn't make a difference, you feel as though you're making an active contribution. And so these six factors of our work can uh, are kind of the weight that moves us between the left and the right of this burnout spectrum. And this is the thing that we often work so hard and we have so much work on our plate that we become burnt out, which ironically makes us less productive. We don't only feel uh, inefficace. Inefe- what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> we don't just ineffective. Ineffective. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to overcomplicate it. Uh, we inefficacious. Don't, in, yeah, we don't just feel inefficacious or ineffective, <laughs> as you say. Uh, we we are because we're less engaged with what we're doing, and we see more elements of what we do as a threat because we're in that burnt out situation, and at the same time we can't respond to it. So is now the time where we should not stop burying the lead and talk about the six yes. uh, burnout areas? Let, let's, let's lift the, the red curtain. Yes. And oh, what are those, Arden? Behind the red curtain, there's six doors. Which door do you want to open up first here? If you were to be asked, what are the things that would make you feel burnt out about your work? You'd probably come up with like three or four of these yeah, already, probably. right? I mean, the first one is probably the most obvious one is workload, yeah. right? How much are you actually working? And so the obvious remedy to this is to reduce your workload, right? Take on a little bit less or try to define the parameters of your work a little bit better or find work that you can delegate or or shift in some way. That's the obvious solution to workload. But I mean, everybody knows that when you have more work to be done than you have time for or attention for or energy for, that's going to be draining and obviously is going to cause exhaustion and make you maybe feel a little cynical and unproductive. And and there is kind of a a spectrum of having more work to do than time to do it in. So if we have a bit more work than we have time, that that creates a phenomenon called time pressure where Mm -hmm. we feel like there's, you know, somebody over our shoulders as if we have to get everything done. But when it greatly exceeds how much we have to do, it's counterproductive because it leads us away from that engagement side of the burnout spectrum. And yeah, like you were saying, we become more exhausted, cynical, uh, and unproductive. And the most common clinical intervention given in clinical settings uh, when somebody is diagnosed as burnt out is to reduce their workload however they possibly can. And this can be as simple as figuring out your most important tasks, uh, shrinking, delegating, eliminating the ones that aren't crucial and integral to your work. They can be even more complex, like working with your manager, your boss to mold the work that you do around uh, engagement and just something that's realistic for the time, the attention, the energy you have available. But workload is the obvious one behind door number one. Door number one. Door number two. Door number two. Yeah. So this is lack of control. And so this is control with what we work on, but also how we work on it and Mm -hmm. when we work on it. 
And so this is, this is one of the uh, wonderful things about a more flexible schedule is it gives us more control over the work that we have to do, at least over the conditions of when we work on what we work on. If the flexibility is something you want, right? Yeah. I mean, is this something that would vary from person to person? Like how much control is kind of optimal? Not to sound like too much of an economist, but... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, would, I would think so. You know, okay. we all have a different desire for... I would say more structure than control. Mm. Uh, you know, we want to feel in control over what we're working on. Uh, it, I guess this comes down to ownership. Yeah. You know, whether we truly own the things that are on our plate or whether we're really just subservient to somebody else at our work. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, nobody likes being micromanaged. That's no. Well, I very do. Unpleasant. Speak for yourself. You have picked the wrong profession <laughs> no, if I'm you want to be micromanaged. <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. love. <laughs> so workload, lack of control. And values. Values. Behind door number three. So that's kind of the third one. Yeah. Right? So we talk a lot about values on the podcast. Episode 80 is when we do a deep dive. And 77. Oh, and 77. Talk about it a lot lately. Yeah. There, there are basically 10 different values. There's self-direction, stimulation, hedonism, achievement, power, security, conformity, tradition, benevolence, and universalism. And essentially, there's no right or wrong values. Values are just orientations towards uh, you know, preferences that, are, that live at the core of who you are. And when our work is aligned to what we value, we feel, when we act in accordance to what we value, we feel as though we're manifesting our values through our actions. And so if we're, if we're somebody who values kindness and then we practice kindness to, say, a stranger or a loved one, we feel connected with who we are on a deeper level. And there is this meaning that comes from this manifestation of values in action. Uh, and this can either contribute to or detract from burnout. So let, let's say you're some financial consultant and you work for a cutthroat financial firm. You might be somebody who values uh, things like achievement and power. Uh, you know, if you do have those orientations and if you manifest those values in your work, you're going to feel connected with your work in a way that somebody who values universalism and benevolence wouldn't. And so value, values that are diametrically opposed to your work are often a sign that you aren't going to be as motivated as you possibly could be through your work with what you're currently doing. And we don't always have control. You know, in an ideal, perfect world, our, our values would be perfectly aligned to the work that we do. There is no 100% values alignment. I work for myself. I try to mold my work around my values. And I, I don't have value alignment a lot of the time. But we can get closer to this value alignment over time and find work that naturally motivates us and leads us away from burnout. I'm actually really surprised to hear you say you don't have value alignment a lot of the time. I would have thought it was the majority of the time you were in, you felt like you were in alignment. That's really surprising. I would say maybe 70% of the time I do, but we all have like... I mean, that, okay, that's higher than I... Okay, I thought you meant you didn't have it very often. I'm like, whoa, that's really shocking. Okay, that's more positive. No, I'm, I'm so grateful I, I get to do work that hopefully helps other people. But no, I, I have to answer email like everybody Nobody else. Nobody values email. Nobody I mean, val <laughs> I actually think email gets... I've been thinking about this a lot. And email does have a very useful role where it's not instant. You can get something out yeah. there. And when used well, it's kind of nice to be able to email people. Yeah. But all that to say... I would love to be I manifesting think, my values through email, but I don't know if I don't it's going to happen I don't think most people do, soon. but it can serve a greater role. Door number four. Unless you have anything more to say on values. No, I do not. But insufficient reward. Yeah. And that's 
I mean, that's an obvious one, right? If you don't feel like you're getting anything out of what you're doing, whether that's monetary or other kinds of rewards, right? There are other ways that work can be rewarding. Yeah. And if you don't feel like you're getting any kind of rewards or enough reward for what you're you're putting in, and and I mean, it's your time, it's your attention, it's... It's your life that you're dedicating to work in a lot of time. If you're not feeling sufficiently rewarded, that would be extremely draining, right? Yeah. And and I mean, I know as a PhD student, the financial rewards are basically zero. But I mean, no, they're in negative the, in negative the short term. Me. So you have to think long term. But that can still be very rewarding work in that you get to spend your time doing something you love. And so yeah. that I'm just trying to point out that there are other kinds of rewards. Obviously, money is an important mm-hmm. one. And that could be really, really draining if you yeah. don't feel like you're being compensated either in, in all ways the yeah. way you should feel you should. Yeah, there's essentially three kinds of different rewards that fall in this category that either cause us uh, stress or engagement. Uh, and like you were saying, financial, we think of as the rewards of work, uh, whether it's a salary, whether it's bonuses, whether it's stock options, etc. cetera. Uh, but social rewards oh, are, yeah. the, are the second factor. And that includes whether we're recognized for the hard work that we do, uh, whether just we're complimented. You know, if we work hard, we, uh, we're recognized for our efforts. And the third is intrinsic reward. So the process of doing the work is uh, rewarding in and of itself. So the day-to-day reward of, of that uh, makes, makes work le- significantly... You can have a very stressful job, but if you're recognized for going through that stress it can lead you further away from burnout Mm -hmm. uh, because you're recognized for the work that you do. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking very much as like when I was in, when you're a student, the financial rewards are limited, but the the other rewards are just amazing. So Mm -hmm. I think that's, there's a reason people do all that, do that kind of work. (laughs) Yeah. And so if you're a manager of other people, these are factors Mm -hmm. to consider with your employees too. Um, The workload that they have on their plate. It's not as though, you know, employees will be more productive if you give them more work to do, including the high performers on your team. It could be that you cause them unnecessary stress and over the longer arc of time, they're going to be uh, less contributing to the goals of your team. Uh, The control that you give them, the values alignment, you know, whether people can see on your team how their work is aligned to making a bigger difference uh, to the reward. And how it's rewarded too, right? That can be financial, but it can also be like, giving praise and showing yeah. showing appreciation for for hard work. I mean that yeah. those are all kinds of rewards and so these are things you can do as a as a team or as a even as a coworker. I think those are important. And the other thing you can do, number 5, is establishing a kind of sense of community, right? Yeah. I mean not having a sense of community and I think you would actually be able to speak to this in a lot of your work you you do work very independently. Yeah. Um and so I'm curious what you think about about this particular focus area and how this contributes to burnout. Well, this was something that I made an active effort to do when I went through that period of burnout. I realized that so much of my work is self-directed as Mm -hmm. an author. Uh, You know, it's it's very solo work. So I made an active effort to form deeper connections with people that I considered colleagues. Uh, There's a group of people I meet with every week now and we're we're accountable to one another. We talk about strategy. Uh, We're all people that create things for a living. And there are other author circles that I connect with on a regular basis to, again, be strategic about 
what we work on and our careers too. So, you know, community isn't always a given with work, especially now that so many of us are working remote or the people were in the office two to three days a week and we're solo the rest of the time. And it, there isn't much community to being on Zoom in official meetings constantly uh, where you don't have that more casual form of connection. So community is something that can either bring you to burnout if you don't have much of it or make you incredibly engaged, especially if you're close to the people that you work with. I love that. Fairness. Last but not least. Behind the sixth door. Is uh, fairness. Is fairness. So this one, the definition is in the name. So we need to be treated fairly, compensated fairly, uh, recognized fairly. Uh, We need work allocated fairly in order for us to feel engaged with the work that we do. And in situations where things aren't fair, uh, for example, you see this in a lot of cases where there's two bosses, uh, where somebody has two bosses, fairness often becomes a a variable that's out of whack. Um, And fairness needs to be fair. Yeah, this one's kind of self-explanatory. But I mean, bringing it back to like what we're actually trying to talk about with these six burnout areas, right? I mean, these are all things that you can kind of check in on in your work every, like on a regular basis, maybe in your weekly review. But I mean, weekly is probably a lot for these, but even just noticing if you're finding yourself feeling a little more fatigued or finding exhaustion creeping in, or maybe you're feeling a little more cynical than usual or, or just feeling unproductive and unengaged. Thinking about maybe whether these one of these six factors or all of these six factors might be present and kind of contributing to that, and then thinking through ways you can kind of mitigate them. Right? Yeah. So since going through the initial burnout episode, that's exactly what I've started to do. Uh, I, being mindful of the definition of burnout is extraordinarily helpful because you might find yourself in a situation where you're not exhausted but you are cynical and you feel like you're not making a difference. You have two of the stepping stones to a full burnout phenomenon, uh, but you're not necessarily all the way there. So, you know, I'd be lying if after this episode, I check up on these six variables every week or even every month, uh, probably a couple of times each year, I'll, I'll work through the list and uh, chart how, how well I'm doing in all these six areas. Uh, But if you find You know, use exhaustion, use cynicism, use unproductivity, uh, the three characteristics of burnout, is sort of a tripwire for the fact that you might be on your way to burnout. And if you do find that you are out of whack in that way, not only is your mental health about to suffer if you are making inroads to burnout, but you might also be leaving productivity on the table in the form of engagement, in the form of being present with what you're doing. And use that as a cue to check up on how well you're doing in these six areas. Uh, Workload, lack of control, values, insufficient reward, community, and fairness. Um, Probably two or three of them will be going well. Uh, Maybe two or three, maybe even four will be out of whack. And that's worth reflecting on too, the exact ways that they are. And the solution to burnout is not always black and white. It's not always as simple as looking at these six factors and think, okay, these are out of whack. Let me make a plan to fix it. That sometimes is possible. But the thing about burnout is it's usually not a personal, it is a personal phenomenon, but it's indicative of a structural problem at a workplace. Uh, If one person is burnt out, other people are likely to be burnt out too. And Dr. Maslach, when we were chatting, she spoke of teams that she lectured where she conducted burnout surveys at work. 
And she found that when one person is burnt out, chances are dozens of people have been burnt out. And she's, uh, she told me of, you know, a story of her being on stage and people, she lost control of the audience when she talked about just how common burnout was at this workplace because people started turning around and talking to one another about the state of their minds and the state of their energy. Uh, and so do keep in mind the, the six areas that chronic stress can manifest and the three characteristics of burnout that it can lead to. Uh, and the solution might sometimes be stark, that you need to get a job that actually treats you and your mind with respect and fairness. Uh, when that isn't always possible, it's worth fighting to mold the job that we do have around the things that actually lead us to become more productive over time. Nice. I love it. Good stuff. Coming up at the time, so I don't oh, think yes. I want to add anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so finishing up, timeandattention.fm is where you can find the show notes for this podcast. Uh, this, this idea, I go into it full in depth in how to calm your mind. Last plug of the podcast, promise, at least for this episode. Uh, but these ideas have helped me a lot. And hopefully just covering them on a, a surface level on this episode will help you as well. Awesome. Have a good week. We'll see you a couple Tuesdays. Bye.